Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Shad, you know, about how long I was supposed to speak and everything, and they said once, he said once the kids uh, leave that, you know, you guys sit pretty well, was the phrase that he used. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, <laughs> feel free to talk if you have an amen or a, uh, you know, preach it to say. <laughs> um Eternal life. We talk a lot about eternal life. Jesus talked about eternal life. Um, I want to remind us that eternal life is not just um, continuous consciousness. It's not just never-ending consciousness. Um, Jesus defined what eternal life is in John 17.3. He said eternal life is this, that you would know the one true God and that you would know Jesus Christ whom he sent. So eternal life is knowing God. That's God's definition for eternal life. If you don't know God, you cannot have eternal life. And if you know God, you have eternal life. Like, that's it. Um, And isn't it wonderful that God has revealed himself? Uh, God has, has shown us who he is in creation. He's shown us in miracles. He's shown us in, in scripture. He's shown us in the life of Jesus. He's shown us in, um, revealed it to our own hearts, our own souls, cry out that there is a creator. Um, he is, God is not hiding. God is, God is revealing himself in, in absolutely amazing ways. Um, and we can know him. And, uh, so this whole month we're going through, um, Exodus 34 where, uh, God, uh, shows, um, Shows Moses, introduces himself to Moses and who he is. Um, and uh, if you're looking for a great resource on this, I'm sure some other folks have mentioned this, but the Bible Project videos online um, are wonderful when it comes to word studies and, and cross-references and getting into um, uh, how little pieces of the Bible fit into the big picture of Scripture. Um, so I would highly recommend that. It's a series of YouTube videos um, online that you can that you can watch. Um, so this is Exodus 34. God introducing himself to Moses right before he gives the Ten Commandments to Moses. And he says, 
Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's what God wants Moses to know about himself. That is how he introduces himself. And I'm told I'm only allowed to talk about the part that's bold, steadfast love and faithfulness (laughs) today. Um, The word for steadfast love in scripture is chesed. Chesed with the in there. Um, And in preparation for this message, I've said the syllable more times than I've said in my entire entire life. Um, But let's just all say that together. Ready? We're going to say chesed. Chesed. It's a little tricky. We're going to try that one more time. Chesed. (laughs) It's an important word. It's an important word um, because it's um, not only how God describes himself. He says, I'm abounding in chesed. Um, But it's also uh, in 200 places in the Old Testament. In 200 places, we can find the word chesed. Um, and which is really great because we can do like word studies on this and we can find out what God is like by looking at other places in scripture. We know that scripture interprets scripture. We find out what this means by looking at it in the context of all of scripture. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of what we're going to do today. Um, the biggest problem with this word chesed is it's hard to translate into English. There is no one-to-one English counterpart. That There's no word or phrase in English that means the fullness of chesed. Um, if you j- uh, just take six translations of the Bible with all of the 200 places that chesed is mentioned and how it's translated, it's translated in over 160 different ways, in different words, in different phrases. Different people choose to translate chesed. Some say stead... Well, Pull it up right here. Check it out. Steadfast love. Chesed. The King James Version says, uh, says it's abounding in goodness. Um, ESV, this verse, Exodus 34, abounding in steadfast love, abounding in loyal love, in loving devotion, in faithful love, in gracious love. NLT says, uh, filled with unfailing love. And the NASB says abounding in loving kindness. Um, the word loving kindness was actually invented by uh, uh, someone who was translating the Bible in f- the 1500s. This was actually before the King James Version. Um, uh, one of the very first English translations. Um, and he came across this word and, a- and as a Greek or uh, I'm sorry, a Hebrew scholar, um, he's like, well, how do I translate this complicated word um, into English? And he invented the word loving kindness for his translation of the Bible. So that's what I mean, that this is a, a complicated word. Now, here's the problem. If it can be translated in all of these ways, how do we know what God means? How do we know the... The, the real truth here of what God is trying to communicate when he says he's abounding in chesed. Um, is his love good? Is it a loyal love? Is it a faithful love? Is it a gracious love? Is it merciful love? Like, what, what is he saying? Um, and the truth is, it's all of it. That's, it's, 
it's every bit. It's a good, steadfast, loyal, devoted, faithful, gracious, unfailing, and kind love. Like that's what it is. That's who God, that's what God is introducing himself as. As someone who loves with this kind of love. Um, not just a little bit though, an abounding measure of this love. Um, So to get a better understanding of how God is describing himself here, we're going to look at a couple of different places where the word chesed is used in Scripture to give us context for this. And hopefully it will teach us about the Lord. And we know that the Bible is not the story of man. It's not the story of a particular man. If you look at the main character of the Bible, it's not David or Adam or you know Saul or you know any of those big names. Um, the main character of the Bible is God. You know, he's on every page. Um, and the reason we have scripture is to introduce us to the Lord. And that's good, because that's how we get eternal life, is knowing God, right? That's that's eternal life. Oh, oh, there we go. So we're going to look at Hesed in the book of Ruth. Um, so scripture tells of a foreign woman named Ruth who marries an Israelite. Um, and, uh, they end up, um, her husband dies, her husband's brother dies, her husband's father dies, and Ruth is left alone with, um, uh, she's left alone with her mother-in-law. Now, I have a fantastic mother-in-law. Absolutely wonderful. Not everyone is that gracious, you know, that, that blessed to have a wonderful mother-in-law, um, uh, we have a lot of mother-in-law jokes in our in our society, um, but uh, we we don't know what kind of mother-in-law Naomi was. But what Scripture does say about her uh, was that uh, she had nothing to give Ruth. She had she had nothing to give. In fact, Naomi, the mother-in-law, was a drain on Ruth. Ruth's life would be easier um, if Naomi was not in Ruth's life, right? Um, because she needed care. She needed provision. She needed all of these things. Um, Naomi, let me get a little picture of, of Naomi's heart. Naomi says, you should go back to your people. You should go back to your family. And I, I'll, I'll figure out stuff on my own, um, but you go back to your family um, and get taken care of. And you, you, don't, have to, you don't have to stay with me. Um, but this is, what, this is what Ruth says. Uh, he, Ruth makes uh, this commitment to Naomi. Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. Uh, for where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also. If anything but death parts me from you. This is a massive commitment. This is not like, hey, we'll, you know, we'll see after the weekend how we're feeling kind of thing, you know. Like, let's just give it a shot and, you know. Like, this is like, I'm ready to commit everything to you right now, Naomi. Like, let's do this. Let's stay together. Let's be buried right next to each other. You know, like, big deal. I don't care how hard it is. I'm going to stay with you. Um, over the years, other people see Ruth follow through on this promise. 
they see Ruth's faithfulness and following through on this commitment. And they call that an act of chesed. Other people say, oh, chesed, that's, that's that Ruth kind of generosity and commitment. That's, that's what that looks like. Um, and it's important to note this isn't just something that Ruth is doing. It's not just an act, but it's who she is. She is a, a loyal, committed, loving person who is acting out of her character in order to keep this promise to Naomi. That's Hesed. Um, we're going to look at a similar commitment here, um, uh, a peek at Hesed in the story of Abraham. Um, and this is what God's Hesed looks like. Um, in Genesis 12, the Lord says to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Like, that's that's that same kind of commitment. It's like, I'm on your side. You know, we're going to wear the same jersey. You know, we're like, we're, we're together. We're on the same team. We're going to have the same fate. You know, like, we're walking this together. I'm not going to leave you. In fact, I'm going to love you so much that the entire world will feel the ripple effect of, of the love that I'm going to pour on you. Of that blessing. The, the whole world is going to see. You know, and, and you know what? It's not like, like we look at this, we read this and then go, you know, about our day and say, what happened to Abraham? You know, I, you know, whatever ha- happened to that? No, we actually get to see all the way through scripture, God fulfill this promise to Abraham. Like we get to see that. And in fact, over the past thousands of years, we're still seeing that the entire world has been changed by God's promise to Abraham. It's awesome. It's awesome. I love it. Isn't it great? We get to just like get together and talk about the Lord and His love. Yes. Um, all right, moving on. <laughs> so this is Hesed in the story of Jacob. Um, this is where Jacob recognizes the Hesed of the Lord. Um, oh wait, wait before we get there. Um, so Jacob spends most of his life as a deceiver, a thief, a swindler, um, somebody that's not to be trusted. He cheats his own family. Like, not a great guy. Just awful. Um, and yet, God still promises to multiply his descendants. Right? It's not like the promise of Abraham gets like passed over Jacob. Um, God promises in the midst of Jacob's, of, of running away, Jacob's running away from the, the consequences of, of his sin. And while he's running away, Jake, uh, God meets him and promises to bless him and bless the whole world through him. Um, and then 20 years later, Jacob sees the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And this is what Jacob says 20 years later. O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred, that I may do you good. 
I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of your steadfast love. He's using the word chesed here. And all the faithfulness that you have shown your servant. He says, I'm, I'm not even worthy. And boy, isn't that the most appropriate response when you get that 20-year revelation of the love of God that has been faithful to you, though you've been all over the place? Right? That is a natural response. It would be totally unnatural to get the the true revelation of the depth of the Lord and say, you know what? Yeah, I do kind of deserve that. I do kind of earn that, you know? I, Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. This, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of the least of all the deeds of your steadfast love. I'm not even worried of, like, you just glancing at me. Like... <laughs> Not worthy of it. But by golly, that's not what it's about. It is not about what I deserve. It is not about what I've earned or how great a person I am, right? (laughs) God doesn't love me because I'm lovable. (laughs) God loves because He's abundant in steadfast love. He loves out of His character. He loves out of who He is. Praise the Lord. God's love doesn't hinge on... On, on our faithfulness. Alright. So not only does God show love and faithfulness when we don't deserve it, but He shows it in the midst of our unfaithfulness and our rebellion. Um, we're going to fast forward to number four. Chesed in the story of... Um, Moses. Um, actually, earlier I said our key verse here... This key verse that we're looking at um, came uh, right before God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. And that is true. But it's also true that this came right after God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. God gives the Ten Commandments twice to to Moses on stone tablets. There were four tablets. Um, God gives the tablets to Moses, writes the entire law on them. It wasn't just the Ten Commandments. It was the whole law, front and back of both tablets, written with the finger of God, right? And Moses is carrying these priceless artifacts, right? The, the tablets that have the law. And he starts coming down the mountain, and halfway down he meets um, Joshua, and they start coming down the mountain, and they hear this ruckus. At the bottom of the mountain, this loud noise, and, and Joshua's like, boy, it sounds like the sound of war. And, and Moses is like, no, that's not the sound of war. That's not the sound of celebration. That's the sound of singing. There's singing going on. And they get down there, and, and these Israelites, who the Lord just rescued out of bondage, generational bondage, uh, who, who they just saw the, the Red Sea parting. They've been following a, a, a cloud by day and a fire by night. Like miraculous provision and direction all along the way. Right? These God's people, right? Are, are worshiping a golden cow that they made. Right? Like this is literally the most offensive thing that could possibly be doing right now. What in the world? And Moses is shocked and furious. And he he drops these priceless stone tablets and they shatter into a million pieces. 
right? And he makes him uh, grind up the cow and drink it, and he's just, he's fuming, right? <laughs> he just saw the Lord, and he comes down to sinful humanity. Um, and he goes back up the mountain. I just want to kind of paint a picture here. If you are going to a job interview, you're going to put on your, your vest, suit, and tie. You're going to look nice. Comb whatever hair you have. Um, I don't have much hair. <laughs> um, you know, you're going to look spiffy, right? You're going to make sure you got all your ducks in a row. You're going to make sure that, you know, you have a good answer for what's your biggest strength, what's your biggest weakness. Oh, my biggest weakness is I have too many strengths, you know? Like, you're going to have all the answers, right? <laughs> like, you're going to have it all together. Because you know that the boss is deciding whether he's going to commit to you. Whether he's going to give you the contract. Whether he's going to give you the job. Right? It's the same deal for if you're in like a dating relationship. Right? You show up on time to her door. One spritz of cologne. Right? You, you have the flowers. You have the chocolate. You take her to the nice restaurant. You don't burp or fart when you're there. Right? Like... Draw your best behavior. Why? Not just because you want to look good, but because she is deciding if she wants to spend the rest of her life with you. Right? She's deciding, is this the guy that I want to end up at the altar with? Right? And that's what, that's the decision that's, that's happening over the table. Right? This is, that's the opposite of what the Israelites are doing right now. Right? They're not best foot forward here. Right? And yet God is writing up the terms of the relationship on the mountain with Moses. He's making commitments. Right? He's getting ready to like sign on the dotted line with Israel, with his people. Say like, this is the contract. This is the I do statements. This is the I vow. And in the midst of the rebellion, Moses comes up on the mountain and God says, I'm ready. Praise the Lord. I'm ready. I'm ready to commit myself to you. I'm ready. This is like like hiring the guy who you just found out was embezzling from the company, right? Who's stealing. Or this is like like deciding, you know what? I'm I'm going to marry you right now after you just found out that that the the guy that you you're engaged to is having an affair with somebody else. I'm ready to commit right now. Let's do it. Let's do it. And it's not because of the the faithfulness of Israel is because of the faithfulness of God and who he is. He's a commit, a committing person. He's a person that commits himself, who gives himself, who's generous with his, with his promise. He's not stingy. He's lavish. He's abundant in chesed, in a steadfast love. Praise the Lord. Second Timothy. Two says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. That's what it is. He's going to be faithful. He's going to be true. He's going to be committed. Even if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He's, our God is immutable. He doesn't change because of outside circumstances. He is who he is. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's when. It wasn't, hey, let's get all dressed up and spiffy and everything and then, and then we'll see if God accepts us. 
while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He does want us to have that faithful love for other people. He has that desire for us to follow and to model that love. Right? But even if we don't, His love doesn't stop. He's not going to change who He is. God's chesed is enduring. Um, it's not going to run out. It's not going to shift on us. It, it is because it's who, it's who He is. Um, and this is contrasted with our chesed. Um, Hosea paints this picture here. He says to Israel, What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you, O Judah? Your chesed, your love, is like a morning cloud. Like a dew that goes early away. It's gone. If you look at it the wrong way, it just disappears. Right? That's what your chesed looks like. Whereas, in Psalm 136, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. And then goes on to say, His chesed is forever. 26 more times. Over and over and over again. His chesed is forever. His chesed is forever. That's that's a key part of our theology, of our understanding of the Lord, is the fact that His enduring love is forever. It doesn't change. It doesn't end. And that's a good thing. Um, It may take a long time for us to see the promises of God come to pass. And to see his goodness. Um, when things look dark and discouraging, and when our soul is dark and discouraged, we can hold on to his steadfast love. Um, even though it might take a very long time for us to see with our physical eyes his promise come to pass. Um, And we'll see, God's promise to Abraham took 25 years before he had one descendant. He said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. It's going to bless the whole world. Abraham had to wait 25 years for a son. Joseph has a dream. He says, your mother and father are going to bow down to you. You know, we're going to do something amazing with you. And it's 13 years later before he's in that position. and, And he sees the steadfast love come to pass. And that's after being falsely accused. That's after being thrown into a pit. That's after being sold as a slave. Prison. Everything. Thirteen. Think about what you were doing 13 years ago. Like, it's a long time. Promised land. God promises Moses, hey, I'm going to take you to the promised land. I got a place for you. You're not just going to be wandering in the desert forever. Right? And it takes 40 years of them wandering around, right? Of the generation that, you know, God promised the promised land to, only three people actually make it. It's Moses and Caleb and Joshua. The prophecy of Christ was originally given to Eve. Eve, the first woman, got the prophecy. It said, your son will crush the head of the snake, right? And that was thousands of years And then when Jesus actually showed up, he showed up as a baby, right? And it wasn't another 30 years until he came and and started his ministry, right? 
God's timeline is a, is a whole nother level. It's, it's a lot longer than our, you know, we, we wait a week and we think we've been waiting forever. We've been faithful, boy. We've been, you know, <laughs> even five years. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. God's going to be faithful on that big scale. You zoom out and I guarantee you're going to see the faithfulness of God. And even now, Christ's second coming, we're still eagerly waiting. Right? God promised he's coming again. And, and we're in that waiting period. We're in one of those, one of those waiting periods between the promise and the, the revelation that we actually see God's faithfulness. Right? We have the opportunity to wait. Just like Abraham and, and Joseph and, and Moses. Like, we're waiting. Just like they are. We're. Hmm. Um, in the moments of my deepest sadness and heartache and disappointment, um, I have found great comfort in the book of Lamentations. Um, Lamentations is written by a guy who's, boy, he's seen a lot of things. Um, and, and his heart is hurting. Um, and boy, he pours it out to the Lord. He tells the Lord what he's thinking. Um, and I appreciate the fact that that is included in scripture. Um, it makes it seem like there's some grace for me when I have some unkind things to say to the Lord, you know, when I have some untrue things to say to the Lord, right? Um, we're going to, we're going to read this through, um, and just kind of see what's on his heart and mind. I can't read those small texts. And so I'm going to read it here. I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old, and he has broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walked me in. He has walled me in so that I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has barred my way with blocks of stone, and he has made my paths crooked. Like a bear laying in wait, like a lion in hiding, he dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. He drew his bow and made me the target for his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became the laughing stock of all my people. They mock me in song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. I've been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's chesed, his great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 
I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. In the sorrow and in the waiting, in the pain and the discouragement, we can hold on to the Lord's promises. We can hold on to what he said. But more than that, we can hold on to his character. We can hold on to who he is, who he's shown himself to be, who he introduces himself as. He's a trustworthy and loyal God. If you're feeling discouraged today, you don't need to feel ashamed. There's a lot of people who paint Christianity as all sunshine and roses all the time. You know, like it's just never going to have another bad thing happen in your life. It's not true. (laughs) It's not true. We see from Lamentations that it's not true. There is pain. There is confusion, discouragement, anxiety, the whole thing, the whole thing. But in the midst of that, there's an anchor for our soul. There's hope that endures. There's a loyal, steadfast God that we can throw ourselves on. The psalmist puts it this way. I would have lost heart unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Boy, that would have been it for me had I not believed that the Lord was going to follow through, that the Lord was going to be good, that he was going to show his goodness to me, that I was going to see. And this is why we sing repetitive songs like, You are good, good. Oh, you are good, good. Oh, just over and over. Because there is never a moment that we do not need to be reminded of the goodness of God. There's never a moment that we graduate from that. There's never a moment that we're like, okay, you know what? I got that. I can move on to, you know, better things, higher things. There's nothing that's, <laughs> there's, we got to live in that. We got to live in that. He promises never leave. He promises to never leave, to stick with us. Praise the Lord. And that's what I'm holding on to. I'm, I'm holding on to the love of the Lord. And you say, boy, I just, I, I doesn't seem like I'm going to be able to, to make the payment at the end of the month. I'm holding on to his love. My kids are yelling at me. I'm holding on to his love. Feels like I don't have the answers to this problem. I don't have the wisdom to know what to say or to do. I'm holding on to his love. Right? I'm just, just feel tired. Just feel tired of everything that's going on. I'm holding on to his love. I don't feel like I'm, I'm enough for the responsibilities and what's, what's ahead of me this day, this month. I'm holding on to his love. I would have lost heart unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's it. There's no hope anywhere else. There's no refuge anywhere else. There's no strong tower anywhere else. It's, it's the love of the Lord. It's Jesus or nothing. It's God's love or nothing. Everything else will fade. Everything else is sinking sand. It's Christ or nothing. And, and this is our message to the world that you can be grafted into 
the promise, into the covenant. You can be someone who the Lord is loyal to. You, you can be a part of this, right? The Lord is loving and steadfast, and boy, when he loves somebody, it's, it's massive. And you can be under that. You can come under that banner. His banner over me is love. Scripture says to always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. And this is my answer for the hope that I have. I know the Lord is faithful. I know the Lord is loving. I know his character because he's revealed himself in creation, in scripture. He's introduced himself to me with words like this. I'm gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Right? That's how he introduces himself. And that's the reason for the hope that I have. It's not, it's not circumstantial. It's the hope that I have is not that circumstances will change, that my situation is going to change, that there's going to be some national switch or some societal thing or culture is going to switch. That's not the hope that I have, right? My hope is not, you know, my bank account's really low, but I, my hope is in the fact that it's going to, my bank account number is going to get better, right? When we say things like there's hope for the future, the best is yet to come, we're going from glory to glory, we're not talking about those measures, I'm not talking about, oh, you're going to get more Twitter followers. You know, th- those kind of things. <laughs> We're talking about, you're in the hand of the Lord and he's not going to let you go. Right? We're talking about we have an eternal hope of glory. Right? That far out outweighs anything that we could possibly endu- endure in this life. He's faithful. He's steadfast. Not because I deserve it, because I'm unfaithful. In fact, I'm oftentimes in the middle of rebellion, in the middle of bad attitudes. He's still faithful, still commits himself. Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Let's go ahead and pray. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We thank you for your steadfast love. We thank you that you've decided to commit yourself to us, not because of what we've done, God, but because of who you are. We thank you, God, that you show yourself to us so faithfully. God, we ask that you would help us to remain in your love, not that your love is a a moving target that we have to hit, God, but that we're prone to wander, we're prone to get distracted, we're prone to put our hope in other things. God, help us to remain in your love, anchored, rooted, and grounded in your love. Make us more appreciative of your love, more grateful, more thankful, more aware. Lord, open our ears, open our eyes to see your faithfulness. Help us to not take you for granted. Help us to run to you, God, when we're in moments of lament, when we're in moments of heartache. God, to hold on to that love like it's the only thing that we, the only thing keeping us afloat. Renew our hearts, renew our minds by your Holy Spirit, Lord. Help us to keep running this race faithfully. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.